Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello and welcome to Wannabe, the podcast that takes you from where you are now to where you want to be in 30 minutes or less. I'm Imriel Morgan, founder of Content is Queen, a podcast community committed to amplifying diverse voices. Want to unleash your voice? Visit contentisqueen.org to discover our creator community and how we can take your podcast to the next level. Back to Wannabe. Season six is all about women in sport and fitness. Today, we have an episode that I've been eagerly waiting to share. We're diving deep with none other than Shellyanne Fraser-Price, a true titan in the world of athletics. Shellyanne isn't just an athlete. She's a beacon of determination and perseverance. Often hailed as one of the greatest female sprinters ever, her accolades speak volumes. We're talking about 14 world championship gold medals, the only sprinter with five world titles in the 100 meter, and eight Olympic medals. But it's not just about the awards, it's about the story behind them. In today's episode, we dive deep into Shelly Ann's remarkable journey, from the shift in her environment that expanded her horizons to how sports became her therapy, her unforgettable Olympic experiences, and the powerful lessons of motherhood. Shelly Ann's story is one of determination, strength, and profound self-awareness. Let's get started. Who did you want to be before you became who you are today and why? If I'm being honest, growing up, I never really thought about something like that. I really just wanted to survive. You know, I wanted to just escape my environment because it was so stressful. And I just never had that dream or that vision where I saw myself beyond each day you know it was always like survive on this day but for me I really never had who who I wanted to be I was just trying to survive by that time thank you for sharing that that's very honest how would you describe the experience of things opening up for you what was the change in environment like that led to you actually branching out and imagining different possibilities yeah I would like to say at that time I was really scared I was nervous I didn't know how I was going to be perceived from other persons and I didn't want to look how do I say I didn't want to look uh, desperate you know that's the word I didn't want to look desperate I was almost acting like I had it all you know and that's where pride came in and I think being from an inner city here in Kingston a lot of times persons uh, give you something or want to come into your life to assist there's always something that they need from you and maybe you're not willing to give it at you know and it, it puts you in a compromising position so for me I've always been mindful of just receiving things because I didn't know if I wanted to give what probably they wanted you know I didn't know if it was genuine so um, eventually Jean and the persons who are around me from my high school which is women's girls 
and just my church community, I really kind of open myself up to receive that help and that love and that encouragement. And I think that kind of really helped to stimulate the outlook of who I wanted to become eventually. I love that. And thank you for sharing that because actually there isn't enough honesty about the fact that actually for a lot of people, it is very, very, very difficult to receive. Yeah. Whether that be love, <laughs> uh, like anything, even physical, monetary. Yeah, yeah. Because you don't know what comes with it. Exactly, you know? yeah. I know you mentioned pride and I'm sure that definitely plays a role. But like, yes, I, it sounds like actually the idea that there's always a catch. And that's like a learned behavior because you might have you might have just experienced that every time you receive there is a catch mm -hmm. and that's a really hard thing to unlearn <laughs> yeah and you know it may not necessarily be sexual favors or anything it can just be anything they probably like oh I need to work you or you need to go and do this you need to fetch this for me or you need mm -hmm. you know so mm -hmm. to be able to be in an environment where someone shows you kindness without you know asking anything and I think that's genuine and that's real let's talk about sport because that is a very big part of your life and career <laughs> yeah. we would be remiss if we didn't talk about it how did sports become a part of your life at what point did it enter and then become a possibility that you could take this to the next level there's no flinching when I say it it's like I've been running forever but my, I knew who I was. I was running. I remember at three years old, I was at my basic school. There was an earthquake and I vividly remember running from school to my home, which is like maybe three or 400 meters from, you know, where I live. And I was literally running and I was three. And I remember there are a group of young men who were at a um, wholesale or a supermarket, you guys call it. Uh, that was like run Merlin run Merlin <laughs> because they saw me running and I remember the place shaking so from that time I remember I was always running also my mom was an athlete my mom ran track in high school and you know eventually she got pregnant with my older brother and it was just almost like it was survival for her and she instilled that she was like Shelly you have to go to practice you have to train you have to compete you have to go on it and I didn't get it at that time you know, and eventually went to primary school. I was still running. I remember running barefooted at our championship and I, I got a silver medal. <laughs> and then I left for Woolmans, but at no particular time I ever thought, okay, running was a career. It was literally just honoring my mother's wishes, you know, going to practice and training. And I think eventually at the point I started to accept that, okay, I like this. <laughs> I started to channel my energy into it. I started showing up for practice. I started, you know, being really committed. And then, you know, it actually changed for me where I now saw that with track, I learned so many things, you know, a lot of, I got a lot of discipline. I was a lot more focused. So it became like a therapy from there on. So eventually I kind of stuck to it and I'm like, okay, I'm looking forward to maybe making an Olympic team or you know, and really taking it on. So that's how it eventually started for me. Amazing. With training and the commitment to running, can you talk through how you adjusted to a training routine, a regimen, especially as you said towards the end, as you kind of started to do it more and you committed to it, you started to then get dreams of the Olympics, like possibly making the Olympics. That is not a small thing. Like that is 
big that's like the pinnacle (laughs) that's the pinnacle of the sport so you know if you're if that's where you're aiming then obviously the the level of training and the level of commitment has to kind of be on a next level so how were you mentally getting into that place of no I want to be in the Olympics one day how did you start to mentally prepare yourself for what it's going to take I remember going to the world championship in 2007 as a reserve And I remember sitting in the stands and witnessing so many other athletes having their moment. And I was like, okay, I want to have my moment. So mentally, I was already planting that seed. And I think I came back and I realized, okay, I was a little bit too chubby. So I needed to watch what I eat. (laughs) (laughs) And then I realized, okay, if I'm going to start hitting the gym and getting the workouts done, I needed to start working on my push-ups. If I'm preparing for a goal in my off season, I'm going to put myself in a position that when I get to the actual first day, I am prepared for that first day. Mm -hmm. You know, mentally, I did tell myself, and I think it's being aware that it's going to be challenging and it's okay. That's fine. Sometimes when you miss, you're not far off. You know, you just need to shift a little bit more and then you get a straight aim. So for me, I really started to work and my mindset kind of really shift. You know, I kind of get to practice it's earlier than usual like I'm really always late and then I'm early (laughs) real early and you know I'm showing up and there's a willingness to learn to challenge what I I knew before take risk understand that okay I did it one way and this didn't work maybe I need to try it another way in order to get to the next point I have to change some things I have to rework it and that's okay with that shift in your mindset and even in your behavior did you find that people shifted with you or like started to see that shift and changed how they responded to you, be it positive or negative? Yeah, both. I would say both for sure, because of course, you know, with any thing that you're doing, when persons don't understand what you're doing and they see a change in behavior or who you are, And if they're not used to it, then it's going to be strange. You know, they're going to be very defensive about it, especially if you're like the turn up person, always willing to go everywhere (laughs) to do everything. And then you decide, okay, I'm finally settling down and doing something for me, really focusing on this because I need to get it right. Because not only am I depending on it, but I think my family is depending on it. You know, my future generation is depending on it. I know that I have a son. My son is, you know, my son was, <laughs> mm-hmm. depending on it. So for me, yeah, I had persons who were like, oh, she's so different. Oh, she always has to go to training. She's too busy. But at the same time, I think I had persons who were so willing to go the extra mile with me, which made a difference, you know, kind of gave me that extra strength and that boost to kind of know, okay. I'm going to keep going because these are the persons that are riding with me and kind of understand where I'm going and they want to help me get there. And it was it was good because I think if I'm being honest, the persons that I lost and the persons that I gained, the, the ones I gained were so much better than the ones <laughs> that I lost. And they were so much, they were good for me. That's such a great story. And I think when you shift and when you make those big life changes and you commit to those life changes, naturally people are just not gonna, not everyone is gonna receive that well. But we also forget that like, 
in those losses there are gains and I think your story just reinforced that like there is stuff to be gained even though you might not feel it in that moment and it may not happen right away but there is always something to be gained when you're shifting to be a better version of yourself so thank you for um for sharing that I feel like the dominant question on my mind is getting to the Olympics there's definitely going to be people that have aspirations to be at the top of their game and whether that be from like an athletic perspective or just the top of their field in the industry what was the feeling like qualifying for the olympics what was going through your mind what were you feeling in your body what was that like for you especially coming from where you come from and actually being committed to this goal having lost people along the way what was that experience like so when I eventually started really working for the Olympics I remember 2007 to going into 2008 I was really working I was really really working hard being committed to the task and I saw the improvements you know in my times at track meets in my um, testing when I had like strength tests or sprint tests I saw that what I was doing was paying off, but I'm going to say this at the same time, I saw all of that, but I don't think my vision matched my work where I I was working really hard, but at the same time, I was limiting my vision. It's almost like I was saying to myself, oh, I just want to make the team. I was never thinking winning a medal or gold medal or anything. I never had that. And It was strange because I remember running my first at my national championship. I was so nervous. I remember being so nervous, but I was prepared. I was so nervous because as much as I was working, I still, I I don't think I gave myself the room to feel like I belong. I was still struggling with belonging. I was still struggling with thinking if I deserve this. And I think it's something that I still struggle with from time to time where you reach this point where you receive these good things because of your work and things that you have done. But at the same time, there's a still small voice that's not so good that questions if you deserve it or if you're qualified for it. And it's some it's one of those voices that you have to remind that, of course, I'm called, I'm chosen, I belong, I've worked hard, you know. I am destined for this or you have to remind yourself in that moment. So I remember crossing the line and I came second at my national championship and I was so, so excited. I I went home and we were partying and everybody was my husband. Well, Jason was my boyfriend and he was celebrating me and we were all having fun. And I was like, oh my God, I made the Olympics. This is like my second year out of high school and I was crazy. And I remember having flashbacks of, all the persons who probably thought I wouldn't make anything of myself, who, you know, things yeah. like that. You have all those flashbacks. I'm like, look at me going to the Olympics. I remember I had my braces in and oh, I'm wow. like, I was so, I was feeling so good because I wasn't necessarily always a smiler because I had like buff teeth or whatever you call it. <laughs> so I already had my braces in and my teeth look good and I was smiling from ear to ear. I was so, so excited, you know, I was, just 20, 21. I was so, so excited to to make the team. But, you know, that was it. I was like, okay, I made the team. I didn't have anything beyond that. But at the same time, I think what was difficult was that my country at the time didn't think I had enough experience to be a part of the team. They thought I was too young. They thought I didn't have any experience. I remember Jason calling me and he was like, they had a, a national poll on television to ask if I should come out and let somebody else who is a little bit more seasoned than me. And honestly, looking back, 
I don't blame them. I'm not upset with them because they didn't know me for sure. Mm-hmm. You know, this is a country who we've had strong representative when it comes to sprinting and they're like, we're used to this and we are, we can bank on this. You know, here's this young girl from out of nowhere that we know any, <laughs> nothing about, just pops up and come, you know? So I understand them questioning that. And, you know, I was like, I wasn't even focused on that. So I started to put myself in a position of expectancy. This is what I'm expecting. So I think that's what you always have to do. Always put yourself in a position of expecting. I'm expecting good things. I'm expecting to win. And I think, you know, really going to that line, I also had um, less pressure, I think, because again, nobody knew me. Yeah, you were the underdog. Yeah, they were probably thinking, oh, it was probably just a one hit. You know, probably (laughs) she's going to be too nervous. But at the same time, I was just excited to be there. So I was almost like, "Mm, I'm not making it easy for anybody. I'm going to run my best race because you're probably not worried about me (laughs) either way. (laughs) So I'm running my best race. And I remember just getting to that line and my coach was preparing me for this moment. He's like, when you hear the gun, that's all you're listening for. And the gun is um, like, that's the only cue. It's the gun. I wasn't listening for the shout. I wasn't listening for the crowd. I wasn't listening if anybody's beside me, you know, making any noise. I was listening to the gun. And that's when you know you're in tune with your calling. And I heard the gun and I took off, you know, like real like a rocket. I really <laughs> took off for that race. And I remember crossing the line. And I kid you not, the exact same thing I said I was going to do, I did crossing the line. The exact same thing. I remember just jumping, screaming. I was didn't know what to do with myself. But at the same time, I was saying to myself, oh, my God. I remember getting on the mic for the interview. And I was just <laughs> green from ear to ear. I had my braces in. <laughs> and, you know, I was like, oh, my God, I won. <laughs> <laughs> so for me, chasing an Olympic dream is just realizing, I think, for me, I was relatively unknown. And that was a fact. So I had less pressure. And I think that's with anything. Don't put any added pressure on yourself. The moment is already big. Don't make it too big for yourself. It's already a big moment. Even just listening to you retell that. And you were smiling ear to ear. And it's just, it's infectious. <laughs> it's a very infectious smile you have. And hearing it just fills my heart yeah. with joy because I watched it. <laughs> and I'm like, wow, I'm hearing you yeah. retell what it was like to be like, that's insane. We're at the halfway mark with the legendary Shelly Ann Fraser-Price. From Jamaica to global triumphs, her story is pure inspiration. Stay with us. The best is yet to come. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at UH1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 
let's get back to Shelley Ann. I would like to talk about showing up as yourself because mm-hmm. when I said who I'm interviewing today to a few people, they're like, oh my God, really? And then they mentioned the hair and your hair has become a symbol. Like it is, it is part of your brand. <laughs> and so showing up as yourself at the Olympics, how much thought and consciousness goes into the hair, ma'am? I would love to know. <laughs> For some people, I don't think a lot of persons really know how to show up as themselves, you Mm -hmm. know, because they're so worried about what the next person is going to say or look at them, the fact that, oh, they're so different Mm -hmm. or anything. So they are so scared to show up as themselves, you know, and I think being an Olympic athlete or an athlete overall, I get to have my super hero moment and I think being on the track is my superhero moment it's almost like when you see me it's time to put on you know my cape my hair it's really getting into character because on that track I'm somebody else I'm chasing something really big and I need to go in character and I really need to celebrate who I am and you know, it's almost like my hair gives me superpower kind of thing. Like when I'm there, I feel, I feel invincible. Like, you don't know me. <laughs> <laughs> I really wanted to have fun with the moment. I really want to, you know, the fact that I'm from an inner city where a lot of girls wear different color wigs mm-hmm. or hair. And it doesn't take away from who you are. You know, it doesn't make you less or any better. You know what I mean? It's celebrating your crown different ways and adding or accentuate that beauty that you already have because I already think I'm beautiful, mm-hmm. right? Adding the hair is just the extra bit of razzle-dazzle. <laughs> I love that. I love that there's like thought and intention and everything yes. behind it. It's not just like, no, you you knew how you wanted to show up. <laughs> It's yeah, it's months of preparations. I'm it. telling you, I already have my Pinterest board with my I mood board so of what I'm going for, what color is in, what color is the flag of the country that I'm going to, oh, all of that. I think about that. everything. I think about the people. <laughs> I think about what I want to, you know, how I want to have fun. And it's, I think it's also good for your mental health as well, where you really want to be in a space where mentally you feel good mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right you feel confident in that space and comfortable in that space because this is how I want to express myself I don't want to express myself like everybody else but at the same time I also want to respect everybody else and I want persons to respect me I want to go on the track and when you see me you can't do anything but smile <laughs> I want to look bright <laughs> I love that so much that is like literally bright in my day <laughs> like I love it so much <laughs> Because I love yeah, a lot of thought too. goes into it. So I'm actively planning now, thinking about all my hair for when I actually start my season because listen, we're gonna have fun. So the one thing I definitely want to touch on because I'm a mum, I'm expecting another one. Congrats! Thanks so much. <laughs> pregnancy, motherhood, your career—they happen like pregnancy happened kind of as you were in your career. And what was? that like I want to formulate the question more articulately than that but I'm like I I, I get what you're saying yeah I just want to know because you came back and you were faster like yeah, this almost right, never happens right. so listen talk to me about motherhood and, and getting back into the sport was, and knowing that you could get back into the sport and deliver over deliver even and having yeah. a belief that you could I've never had it easy 
you know, I, I said it earlier, I grew up in a community where it's difficult to see beyond what you saw at that moment. And it was hard. And I think, again, I said there are a lot of things I would have changed in my childhood, but, you know, it made me tough. And I kind of had that resolve where, okay, whatever I believe, that's what I'm going for kind of thing. So when I got pregnant with my son, I was, honestly, I was shocked. And I've seen it over and over again with anybody where the narrative is always a woman has a child, that's the end of everything for her you know this should instead of me celebrating a moment I was worried like oh my god it's not gonna you know it's gonna be difficult but I then shift in the mindset like I really after I that sunk in for the two weeks I was like okay I'm coming back I knew that and I really kind of allow myself to feel my emotions yeah. you know I felt like oh my god it's I'm disappointed that I won't be able to go to the world championship to defend my title in London. I can't believe I'm not running. Oh my God, I'm worried about coming back. What am I going to do? You know, but then I started to really put things into perspective. And then I said, okay, I started to plan like any athlete that I am. Started to make plan like having my son and taking, I was thinking taking four or five weeks and I would start going back to probably some light jogging and stuff like that. But then that did not go according to plan. I ended up having my son via cesarean section. So, you know, I had to rework everything. I'm like, okay, instead of going in five weeks, I'm going to go in 11 weeks mm -hmm. just to give myself <laughs> time to heal properly. And I think that's so important. You can't rush yeah. going back. And I think that's what persons, you know, a lot of my friends are athletes who ask me like, how did you come back? And I'm like, I really kind of just didn't rush. I really took my time to get back to that point because I had my son that was depending on me to be healthy for him, not just healthy physically, but healthy mentally and emotionally because I didn't want to rush something and then something happened and mentally I start to stress myself out and then I start to stress my child out, you know? So I really kind of gave myself that room to understand, say, okay, I'm taking my time to get back. It's going to be a hit and a miss and be aware, be open and honest with yourself. And that's what motherhood is overall, is being open and honest that, okay, today I didn't get it right, but that's okay. That's motherhood. You have another day. You can't beat yourself up because guess what? Nobody gets a manual. There's no written rule that you get set when you come out of the hospital. You know, you learn on the job. It's yeah. one of those jobs that you learn on. And you have to be aware and put in perspective and never lose sight of what it is that you want. What's the end goal? And the moment I hit the track, I knew it was time to go. And I knew I had my little motivation at home. And I'm going after my sixth world championship title. I'm 36. Oof. So, you know, age is just a number, you know? <laughs> <laughs> it's just a number. It's what you believe. And for me, I'm just trying to fulfill a dream that I've had for a long time. Thank you so much for sharing that because being pregnant right now, I definitely can relate to feeling like my career is about to be over, especially more so with this pregnancy where I'm like, I cannot see past this child. Like I, I'm genuinely struggling. And actually you are actually one of the, one of the few people that has done so well, you're not one of few, but like 
you're one of few people to me who I look up to, who I respect and admire, who has done so much post pregnancy, post motherhood coming into your life. And actually, yeah, it's just something I needed to hear personally because it's it's hard. It is really hard to see. You do believe the stories that are, are told about kids coming <laughs> and being an end my mom literally messaged me like well good luck to you you're about to be a housewife I'm like what like I have a whole yeah have a whole it's, company. it's a thing it's it's, yeah. it's it's a thing and it's not just for men I think it's women as well mm-hmm. who you know they automatically everyone they assume that you have a child it's the end it's of the everything end, yeah. no it's not you know it's about balance and finding that balance that works for you and your family. Final, final question. What is the best advice you have ever received? And what is the worst advice you've ever received? Mm, the best advice that I've ever received. Um, I remember when I was in high school, my school nurse actually sat me down one day and she said to me, she said, Sherian, you are a leader. You know, she said, you really are a leader. I really wanted to tap into that part because I think you can impact so many persons if you really just think about it. And I remember she was like, everything that you say, persons listen. You talk, they listen. You ask them to do something, they do it. Really try and focus on that. From that day, I really started thinking about being a leader, you know, not just showing up and getting people to waste their time, but really lead from front. And I think the worst advice I've probably gotten, I just left high school and I started college and someone asked me, someone that was close to me asked me, you know, what are my plans? What do I want to do? This was in 2007. And I I was like, oh, I want to make the Olympic team. And I guess it wasn't, I don't think it, it wasn't malicious. It was, I guess, looking at what he knew and what he saw he was like don't think about the olympics you know you're too young to think about that <laughs> <laughs> you're too young to think about that give yourself some time so in that moment i i heard what you said but mm, i'm like that's what i want i want to go to olympics that was probably the worst advice i've gotten <laughs> thank you so much that was terrible advice and i'm glad you didn't take it this has been fantastic thank you so much Shelian. i feel you're like welcome. Thank you, you have moved me if i feel moved i'm sure everyone listening when this comes out will be moved as well thank you very much i appreciate it all the best with the baby thank you so much <laughs> There you have it. To echo Shelly Ann's sentiments, it's about how we choose to show up. And she has consistently shown up as a beacon of hope, a symbol of excellence and an inspiration for future generations. From the lanes of Kingston to the global podiums, her journey underscores that passion coupled with hard work can craft legendary tales. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Wannabe. If Shelly Ann's story has touched you, consider sharing it with others right now. The world needs more stories of resilience and triumph. To keep up with the latest from Wannabe, follow us on your favorite podcast player. And of course, we're on Instagram at contentisqueenhq. Until next time, bye. This is a Content is Queen production, hosted and produced by yours truly, Imriel Morgan. Editing by Joseph Perry, sound design by Amber Miller, and production assistant was Sharai White.
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello, Fresh. 